When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. This is Paul Hawksby and this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, myself and Andy had a bit of a chat, of course, reflected on the football. We brought you some old uh, Clips of the Week pewter from 2008, unedited uh, off-cuts um, from 2008. Uh, we also chatted to uh, the Dundee United manager, formerly of Tramia, Mickey Mellon, who has uh, co-written a book on the first 100 days of management. He was on good form. And uh, away from that, although with a bit of a sporting angle, um, you've probably been filling in your census or will be over the next couple of days. Serene Diamond, the national statistician, joined us to bring some of it back to sport and give us some uh, interesting facts. So, here it all is. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Paul. Uh, one horse race. Is that this year's Premier League? Oh, well, yes, you, you could well be right, of course. Although you now, of course, we had the uh, FA Cup draw at the weekend and it has thrown up City versus Chelsea, isn't it, at Wembley? Well, that's the end of that then, isn't it? Well, <laughs> you've got a dream. Arsenal probably thought that, but they got it done, didn't they? See, they yeah, can, they can be beaten. They can. United beat them last week, but they're looking so Bayern Munich-ish they to are. me. They look That's like a very good comparison, really actually, yeah. You know, just the way that Bayern were last year. And uh, and uh, mind you, what a grim two hours it was Saturday afternoon watching England get trounced by India in the T20 mm. and then perform against Ireland in such a poor way. Well done to Ireland, but I thought England were rubbish, really. And well, we're going to have a chat with Kieran Bracken about that. I yeah. could tell they were really poor. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, some good moments on the weekend, though. Some good football. The, you, you're back. Spurs are back. Well, I don't know about and back. <laughs> we yeah, won a so, game. Yes, yeah, so it was a good performance. Mad. Yeah. You know, Spurs have had so much heaped on them in the last week. Hmm. But they're three points behind Chelsea, who everyone thinks is going to finish top four. You know, so, yeah. you know, Chelsea's still got to play City and Leicester, so they could drop points quite easily. And also playing at 12.30 again next Saturday, which I'm not happy about because the last two 12.30 games, they've dropped points in easy games. Uh, Leeds away and um, Southampton away, where they should have won the games, really. And now they've got to play West Brom at home. I mean, yes, they should be too good for them. But that 12.30 kickoff's not a great one, is it? No one really likes it. That's when we come back. Before that, we've got the treat of England against San Marino. Yes. What can hardly <clears> wait. We got a, we got a triple. The Poland game has, has now been spiced up because mm. obviously Lewandowski and Milik and others can, mm. can can travel, which will make a big difference. Yeah. 
But these teams like San Marino, they shouldn't even be in this tournament. They should basically play their own tournament. No, all of these small teams, they're never going to grow. They're never going to be anything. So why not play Liechtenstein, all those, all Iceland, Greenland, all play in the same tournament. (laughs) Greenland, whatever, (laughs) Cook Islands. You all play in that tournament. Mm. And whoever wins that tournament, they can go into the World Cup. Because otherwise, it's just a waste of time. That game on Thursday is a waste of... San Marino are only in this group for one reason only. The team that they do the best against probably won't qualify. That's it. That's their only point. How many goals do you get against them? Cut to Jim Proudfoot saying, it's San Marino 2, England 1. It's the biggest upset (laughs) since the Iceland defeat. You might have said, you just said Iceland, and Iceland beat England in a year. I didn't mean Iceland, I meant Greenland. Oh, okay. Anywhere else, Alaska. Just anywhere cold, is it? It just struck me earlier on. Often we would end up asking the listeners a question, um, at this point of the show, often on a Monday. And and it was because it was all based on your chaotic lifestyle. You know, you go out, I go out, most people in the world just go round the shops. Nothing happens. You know, you go yeah. round the shop. It leads to something often quite appalling or an argument. But, of course... <laughs> You're not going out anywhere, Andy. I haven't been out since the beginning of December. <laughs> no, my life is, you're no longer a springboard for these sort of yeah, mad absolutely. stories. But, I mean, there, you I'm will be again. a springboard for Groundhog Day is what I am, <laughs> I and so you, is everybody else. You will be again, I'm, I'm absolutely <laughs> certain. I really, really hope so. Um, and uh, I did. I managed, I managed to watch the second half of Chelsea's game yesterday, which is unfortunate because they were obviously much better in the first half, by all accounts. By the end of the game, we're making Sheffield United look like Bayern Munich. Yeah. Yeah, well, the oh, McGoldrick header. It's up, it's up there with one of the great misses, wasn't it? Have you seen it now? The one round yeah, of course the, I've seen it. Yeah, I was the watching the game. Oh, it took, that really yeah, just that. took some doing. No, by the end, we were hanging on. I mean, absolutely hanging on. They had three good chances to mm. score Sheffield United, and uh, but they didn't. And then Chelsea got the decisive goal, and that was it. And then United, it was a strange performance from United. Fred back to being last season's Fred. Yeah. I wrote that before he gave Leicester a goal. Yeah, absolute mayor, didn't he? He just didn't play, you know. Leicester, uh, they've done well, actually, because I thought they were going to have a wobble. They did have a wobble when they got those injuries. And I thought that'll be it. They're going to do what they did last year and they're going to fall away. But no, fair play to them. And, you know, they've, they've really adjusted to the loss of Barnes, Madison and Justin. And uh, now they're looking good for the top four. So yeah. that was a good result for them. And they should get to the final. No disrespect to Southampton, yeah. honestly. And uh, Ralph Hasenhutl, he said something like, we're out Wembley, we're in the, f- we're in the top four. Mm. We're not really in the top four. Oh, yeah, top four of the FA Cup. It's not quite the top four, though. I found myself go. conflicted yesterday, Andy, as the West Ham-Arsenal um, game played out because, obviously, it's always, a, from my point of view, a joy to see Arsenal get mm. a shoeing. But, of course, as you say, Tottenham have kind of top four, top six aspirations. So pulling uh, West Ham back into it, only mm. taking a point. So it was a bit of a double-edged sword, really. But shocking yeah, first half hour from Arsenal. I mean, they picked it up and they could have won it in the end even, but they were just terrible in that's, the first That's half Arsenal's hour. season in one game, isn't it? That's yeah. exactly what they've been like. They've, at times they've been brilliant and you think Arteta's really getting it right and everything's great down there. And then other times they just look ridiculous. It's a very strange team. They're just lacking consistency. And we'll see what they do next year. I mean, this, I don't think they're going to do much among, this year, Amongst it, play some really lovely stuff, don't they, in games? They really oh, yeah. knock it about well. well. they've got some very nice players. Yeah. Udegaard and... Udegaard, oh. Udegaard very good. I did enjoy on uh, Friday night uh, the Leeds-Fulham game. I just saw the highlights on the match of the day. Uh, Luke Ayling, uh, 
very unlucky. He had his first ever Premier League goal disallowed, but great hair unveiling by him. And I thought, mm. well, you know, he's definitely not broken the lockdown hair rules, which is a good thing. <laughs> you can tell those. I mean, I, 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 Dean Smith, um, my missus said to me last night, she said, he's had a haircut. Where did he get that done? I said, it looks like he did it himself. <laughs> I think he, think he did we, it himself we, in the garden we shed. Turn, we've turned into a nation of <laughs> snoops, haven't we? There's lots of letters and newspapers. Lots yeah. of people. Anybody that looks like they've had a haircut, then people are really suspicious of them. But, you know. Well, you know, you know people, they could just be like, they could live with a hairdresser, Andy, like you do. You, you're, you're constantly coiffured, aren't you? It's never, it's never an yeah. issue. Never an issue <laughs> no. for you, of course, is it? So. And uh, better news for Spurs, but after the, uh, the game on Thursday night, Joe Hart was forced to apologise. Mm. You saw that. For, uh, yes, job done. Job done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he, in the end, he said it was a mistake by my social media team. And I was yeah. thinking, why have you got a social media? If you can't even answer your own tweets, don't bother. Really, just don't. <laughs> Give it a rest. Okay, Honestly, people. Well, it's mad. Maybe isn't it? Greenland can do. Get, they can get them on board. <laughs> job done after they beat England three 0 The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. Paul Hawksby and Andy Jacobs here on TalkSport. I suppose you can put it down the fickle finger of fate because uh, school head teacher Phil Denton bumped into Mickey Mellon um, in a hotel gym and they got chatting mm. about management and leadership. I think he might have engineered it when yes, you were into we'll find out. I, I think he may have done. But it worked <laughs> because uh, the result of it is uh, a new book, The First 100 Days Lessons in Leadership from the Football Bosses. I'm very pleased to say Dundee United manager Mickey Mellon joins us now. Good afternoon, Mickey. Uh, good afternoon, guys. Thanks for giving us the opportunity to talk about the book. No, it's a fascinating yeah, subject, pleasure. actually. Well, maybe let's deal with that first meeting. Yeah, as, as a Tranmere fan, it sounds like Phil did sort of slightly engineer the whole thing. Talking <laughs> <laughs> about, about a stalk in there, I think, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's been such a journey. I mean, it's been fantastic. I've, I've, such a learning journey for myself. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the fact that um, you met and you, you then started to talk about leadership, that kind of led to the book, didn't it? And uh, But to, to set up all these interviews with some of the top managers in the game, that must have taken quite a bit of time and quite a bit of effort. Yeah, it started way back when I was doing my own pro licence and I discovered that there's never been a book written, unbelievably, in the biggest sport in the world, on the process of management. Every other industry be it Toyota, who I love, who I study all the time, be it any other industry, there is a there is a book about the process of what you must consider and how you how you go through that and what the principles should be and talks about the culture and all the rest of it. And, and there's never been one written about football. So I it was probably a personal journey with that. I, I was I was surprised about that. And then my great friend uh, Lenny John Rose um contracted motor neurons disease who the, so all the proceeds are, are to Lenny and motor neurons disease and I bumped into Phil Phil's a headmaster so we discussed leadership and all the rest of it and he was talking about doing things and I said listen I've got an idea for a book that's never been done um, it's I'm not a writer but I have a load of ideas in my head about how I want to try and write something mm. Then I spoke to our union, the LMA, who have been fantastic all the way right through, told them about my idea, and they've backed it and been right behind me. So then it was the, the job of putting it all together and contacting the football managers um, and, and speaking to them and telling them what I wanted to do and why I wanted to do it and, and who it was for. 
and every one of them were absolutely fantastic. I've got to say that they gave their time up with it in a heartbeat. They just mm. said, well, listen, when, when can you be here? And some of the stories that I could tell you, you could probably read another book about mm. uh, on its own. It's been a terrific journey, and I'm really pleased to be able to say now, not just for people who want to be in football management, this, this book would, would help any leader in any business to, to learn what the football managers do and then vice versa. It's what I've learned from other industries, education, major industry, about what I've been able to take back to football and how I've been able to make that work, the Red Arrows, the SAS, all these guys. I've been able to put a book together together with Phil that, that new people can have a look at and mm. see actually what goes on. It, it strikes me, Mickey, looking at the book, that a sort of adaptability is the key because you can go into the, mm. you can go into a job and in, in football, and there can be very different circumstances. You know, you know, you might walk into a team that are doing quite well, but that manager's had a chance to go to a team in a higher division, so you don't want to change too much. Or you might go into a club that the reason you've got the job is because the team are scrapping for relegation. So there's there's different approaches. I suppose you know you need you need uh, all of that knowledge to react in different ways to different circumstances. Absolutely, and that goes for any <clears throat> industry that you would go into. Well, there were so many cross. There were so many things that were so similar that it ended up just being all similar every time you go to see somebody. The same things would come up. But the important part, as it tells you in the book, is is to do your homework before you go in and then make sure that you can do as much homework as you can to give yourself the best chance of understanding what kind of job you're going to be doing, whether that be taking over from a manager who's done particularly well or going into a relegation battle. Before you go into that job or, or, or you're going to, you go to work at any any industry, do your homework, find out how you go, you go about doing that. And then before that first day, you've done as much as you possibly can to get you as ready as you possibly can to to understand what you're going to need to be able to do when you're going to attack that job so that it gives you a good chance of success. This idea of the first 100 days, I presume that came from the sort of US president He's always judged on his first 100 days. I would advise don't trip up the team uh, plane, stairs of the team's plane, but yeah. apart from that. Yeah. I mean, is that, is that what it was based on? Yeah, brilliant that you've said that. Yeah, I, in my leadership journey myself, trying to learn and take bits from everybody, <laughs> I'd studied American presidents and found out there is actually a measurement that is made of their first 100 days, which probably hence why the reason why the book is 100 days. It's just a period in time. It doesn't have to be exactly 100 days, apart from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who got offered his job <laughs> on his 100th day by American <laughs> owner. That was, I, I never got the chance to ask him, did you date in that way? I hope that they did. But mm. yes. Yeah, it's um, it's a period in time that's measured as an American president. And when, when I got the idea, I thought, well, if they can measure it and, and they say that this, how successful the president is going to be will be determined by how well he does in his first 100 days. I thought, well, in one of the most volatile jobs probably around football management that you can be good and poor in the space of two or three days. Let's see how you can go about trying to give yourself a good chance of success and see if you can get some way of giving yourself a chance of being successful. I suppose another thing, because, you know, people flit in and out of jobs, unfortunately, that is the nature of football management, is learning from your mistakes. I suppose all things are learning curve. I'm sure you have along the way. You look back on moments in your career and said, maybe I should have done this, maybe I should have done that, and that's all part of the process as well, isn't it, I would think? Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. But it's, it's been able to go to managers like Joe Royal 
and say to them, what would you tell the young Joe Royal now? Mm. Asking the kind of questions. And then to be able to put it together, it's, it's not about, about I've never ever said it in the book, and certainly if I wasn't about people going, coming up to me and saying, oh, Mickey, how well have you done with that book? It's never, it's never really been my motivation. My motivation was to create something that's never been put together. All these great managers have never had the opportunity to, to show you how great they are. Your Sean Dice, he's not these kind of characters, Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer, Sam Allardyce, Davy Moyes, that could go, could go on and on and on. Um, they've never had, never ever been anything put down on paper to tell you what these guys did in order for them to be successful. And then to be able to go into other industries and, and ask them what they do, and it puts some kind of book together that gives people a chance. I think that's the important part, guys, is it never guarantees you winning. But as Sam Allardyce says in the opening cover, it gives you the best chance of winning if you try if you take into consideration all these asks that you're no doubt going to get as as you go through the process of being a manager. Hmm. Is it fair to say, Mickey, that the first hundred days, the players, you know, they are trying to impress you. They they're more likely to listen to you, isn't it? Isn't it more of a problem? You know, the last hundred days where they've stopped listening to you and they form little cliques, and then you've got a problem. You know, <laughs> is it, yeah, it just strikes me that the you and you'll tell me wrong because you've done the job that it, going into the job would almost be easier than maintaining. We've just been talking about Eddie Jones, the England rugby coach, how difficult he's finding it to re-motivate the same players. Well. As you is, I mean, Mark Pallios, he's in it. I never did knows Mark Pallios mm. from the FA. It was important that I wanted to go and speak to him. Shelley Care from Women's Football, Scott, the Scotland manager, all these people. But Mark Pallios will tell you when he goes in, because he was came out of football for a wee bit before he went to the FA, and he was involved in major industry like the British Steel and, and all these kind of places. And he'll speak about within the, the initial days, you must build credibility. And credibility and trust with the players that you're going to go in and how they perceive you, do they trust you, do they think you can do the job, do they think that they that you're going to get the best out of them. These are on that initial period, first impressions. These will be built in that the first period, along with other things like culture and, and all the rest of which she explains in the book what culture is. But definitely credibility. And can they players trust that you are going to help them be good? Are you going to help them try and get results? And then credibility with the, with the crowd, the fans, uh, and your owner, your sporting directors, and all these kind of people. And in the book, it will tell you it's all about relationships, all about relationships. And if you neglect any kind of relationships that you will have in the building, i.e. that may be your players, your staff, the fans, but also a big relationship was the, the, the players or the fans' relationship with your plan. So if they don't like it, they love it, they hate it, that's a relationship. So you've got to find out, do they like what we're doing and do they believe in it? And then as you go along, and 100 days is just a measurement, but as you go along, you, you must keep being relentless in what you have done from day one and keep trying to improve it. Don't neglect anything. Don't. It's like a, I, I, I say to people when they speak to me, but it's like a bit of a dashboard and a plane. And you just have to keep looking around at everything. How's that? What's that like? Can I make that any better? What was the last game like? Are they doing what we were asking them to do? Or can we find another way of doing it? And it's a continuous, ongoing process for the time. But certainly that first 100 days, you will have to build credibility. You will have to get your early wins in. You will have to get your relationships right. 
you'll have to get the culture on its way and moving and all of that is, is so important. And mainly finally, Mickey, being prepared to fail. There was that old thing that Peter Cook did years ago on the Clive Anderson show when he played a sort of fictional football manager and he wrote the book Dare to Fail. But, I mean, I'm just thinking of Alex Neal, who's just left Preston, and one or two of his players were saying, we're gutted for him. This guy could not have worked any harder. He couldn't. He, he covered all the bases. He spent 14, 15 hours a day in the office. He worked. All, you know, he couldn't have done any more for this club and it still didn't work. And sometimes I think... You have to face up to that as a football manager. Without a doubt, without a doubt. I don't know what the average tenure is now of a manager, but I think the, the, the most important thing is, and Alex Neil, I'm just hearing what his players are saying and what you've said he's done, so I can only take it from what you're telling me. Mm. You can only do your best. And if you've tried to cover every base and you've tried to keep it moving forward and you've got your processes right and you've just kept going and going, you've kept trying to improve and being relentless in that. If it doesn't work, you can walk out, learn the lessons, and then be ready for the next job from where you believe that you could have improved and got better. You'll be a better manager, certainly, when you move into the next job from the lessons that you have experienced uh, and, and gone through, ready to go and attack the next job. Yeah. It's fascinating stuff, Mickey. Lovely to talk to you. We, we wish you well at Dundee United. Yeah. We wish you well with the book. As you said, we spoke to... Danny John Rose on the show a little while ago, so it's a fantastic uh, call. So um, all the best, Mickey. Thanks for joining us. Thanks very much for your time. I really appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Uh, Phil Denton and Mickey Mellon have written the first 100 days, Lessons in Leadership from the Football Bosses, with the proceeds going to the Len John Rose Trust. And uh, I, I imagine it, this will be useful for even your Sunday managers, yeah. your youth team no, managers. No, it all the, good, really good. All the yeah. concepts are the same. It is very interesting. As we said, the, the LMA... Uh, have taken it on board as well. So it's a required reading for them. So we wish them well with the book. It is Paul Hawksby and Eddie Jacobs here on TalkSport. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Survey conducted, Andy. This won't surprise you. I think you've lived this many times and we've heard you living it. Uh, They claim that men rate watching their favourite football team on TV more stressful than losing a job, going bald or getting married. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Very true. I'll go with all of those. 82% and, uh, <laughs> I said said footy caused them the most worry in their life, but they love it. Uh, money concerns, buying a home um, were amongst the other things. But yeah, watching your football team stink the place out is right up there with the most stressful things in life. It can be. There's no question. And uh, Carl there from Paddy Pay mentioned Jack Grealish's outfit. Mm. And uh, he said, oh, it was 270 quid. I'm telling you, that's nothing. Because uh, yesterday, the Sunday Times decided to, uh, in their men's fashion style magazine, Mm. uh, to do a thing on uh, footballers and their fashion. And uh, what it did was, and obviously the clothes are expensive, but it allowed me to do something that I often do when I go into very expensive shops like Harvey Nichols or something. I try and find the most expensive white, plain white T-shirt. Is that your marker for whether a shop's expensive or not? It's a marker for how stupid you are. Oh, okay, no how fair much enough. Money you've got. <laughs> so uh, first we had uh, Mishi Batshuayi. He was uh, in a, he was a nice white t-shirt, very plain, lovely t-shirt. Three hundred and fifty quid. Three hundred and fifty quid for a white t-shirt. That's cheap. That's Primark. Don't worry about it. Then uh, then we had um, <laughs> that's Primark. Footballers Primark. <laughs> Hamza Chowdhury, he's got one, a lovely white T-shirt. It looks exactly the same, but it's it must be better quality. It's four hundred and fifty-five pounds. Oh, that's what's that gap? That's footballers' gap. Who who makes no, the no, four hundred and fifty quid white T-shirt? I'm interested to know because I want to go and buy one. Prada. Oh, okay. And who made the three fifty-one? The cheap, the cheapy uh, rubbish. Three fifty, very cheap. Uh, who is it? Deal. Deal. Yeah, I won't be seen dead in that. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> 
Yep. Then uh, Fendi, they'll do you a nice one, uh, as worn by Alexandra Lacazette. That comes in at a nice £490 nice, for the plain yeah, white well T-shirt. It, yeah. But I'm afraid uh, topping the bill, topping the bill is Virgil van Dyke with a beautiful white T-shirt. It is double-sleeved, so that means it's got an extra bit of material on the sleeve. 660 quid For a white T-shirt? <laughs> and who was that wearing that? Virgil van Dyke. Imagine like the missus saying, sorry, I'll put it in with a red sock. It's gone in with, it's gone in with a kid's red sock. Like any, any white T-shirt will go baggy. The best thing to do is, rather than buy one for 660, buy 66 at 10 quid. <laughs> and then you beautiful. just wear it once and chuck it. That's the, that's, if you really want to look good. So you, is that, this is your fashion tip, is it? Buy 66 one-pound white T-shirts. <laughs> no, Virgil van Dyke, if you're listening. Oh, £10 ones, fair enough. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Sorry. Oh, no, my maths is not my strong point. <laughs> <laughs> Buy six, okay. It's Mike Parry maths lesson, that was. Talking to which, he may pop up in some old Clips of the Week pewter in the final hour this afternoon. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. The Talk Sport Clips of the Week. Pewter. Uh, so called because we can't call them gold because they're not curated. They're not like the best of a certain time or of all time. They're just a bunch of clips from 2008 that uh, turned up on some dusty old mini discs a while back. But there's, there's, some, there's some gold to be panned, I think, as we'll discover in the next I couple so. of minutes. <laughs> and we haven't heard these uh, for years, so... Um, Forgive, forgive us if we laugh, laugh along. The, uh, the producer has dug these out. So uh, you want to kick us off, Andy? Yeah, we begin with Andy Townsend and Mike Parry. And Mr Parry proving he's no Alastair McGowan. Graham Taylor starts it all off, uh, Michael, here Coaching at with 10 a smile. o'clock. Coach, playing with a smile, Michael. Do I not playing like that? Happy players are good players. <laughs> Do I not like that? Your mates just cost me my job. Do I not like that? Not a great Graham Taylor in pace. No Ian Danter, is he, really? That, it was a bit more Liam Gallagher, wasn't it, really? It was, that was a Dalek, really. Oh, what, it was. It was it sounded like he was gargling with something. Anyway, someone else vying for the title of TalkSport's worst impressionist was George Galloway. Here he is asking the listeners for their favourite voices. The Queen's voice? Yeah. Uh, you're the second person to nominate the Queen. I would have thought she had a, an awful voice. One's, one's uh, voice is... Rather uh, class restricted, don't you think? There we are. Very good. Sean Connery or the Queen? Yeah, I can imagine. I can see George in the Crown, last series of the Crown, can't you? (laughs) Yeah, probably playing himself. This is Keith Arthur on Fisherman's Blues taking a call. Bob's on the phone in Derbyshire. Hi, Bob. How do you know I'm Bob? I didn't. I didn't say my name. Didn't you? No. Are you Bob? I am. Maybe it was just a lucky guess. <laughs> it certainly was. <laughs> if, you know, he, just, he could have gone through a whole bunch of names. He just got lucky. Uh, here is a caller to the station talking Liverpool. Yeah, I think, you know, in, in certain games when the chips are down and things aren't going well, he's the one player that, you know, like, like Steven Gerrard has done for Liverpool, he's the one player that, that can just, you know, pick up the mantelpiece and drive everybody else around him on, you know? OK, we don't be picking up the mantelpiece, really. That's, that's not going to look good on the... That's a great you are the ref. Steven Gerrard enters the field of play holding a mantelpiece. Do you, A? Sticking with mixed metaphors, here's Alan Brazil on Breakfast. Morning, boys. Something that I hate and I can't understand about the rules in football. Now, this gets up my goat as well. <laughs> Your poor goat. Unfortunate. <laughs> uh, this is the moose now out on location with an absolutely bizarre interview. 
got one fan alongside me uh, who's Michael from Prague. Uh, you enjoy, by the way, do I, do I look a bit cleaner now than when you first met me before I had a dip in the water? Yeah, uh, I try, <laughs> try to also uh, wash, but uh, I try to, uh, must, I must be sick. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you must Maybe. be if you saw Moose going for a swim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, must, I must be sick. So That's a classic Moose interview. Yes, there, it, it is. God, is it me? It's you. Uh, this is Nigel Botherway on Fisherman's Blues, trying to extract some contact details out of a guest. You, I know you've got a website number, so give, give that a plug. Right. Um, if you, bear with me one second, because it is here somewhere. I can you, never find it. Don't worry, you're like me, you always have to look these things up. <laughs> Tell me the address while you're looking. Don't worry. <laughs> he was getting Silence. a bit annoyed when he... Oh, yeah. Nigel, he was trying... Oh, don't worry, next thing... Yeah, tell us the address while you're looking. So, it's not uh, the best, is it, really, on radio? No, uh, this is Mr Parry again, talking food. Wiener schnitzel is like a uh, a veal which is uh, oh, covered is in breadcrumbs, yes. Oh, well, uh, well I, I don't eat veal on principle. I don't like the way they treat the veals before they become a steak, you know what I mean? <laughs> treat the veals? <laughs> the, the veals. The calves. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Brilliant, isn't it? And now it's over to one of Danny Kelly's first shows on Talk Sport. And here he is getting the Igor Monachev treatment from a guest. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to say that on the line is somebody who might well know what's going on. His name is Mario Captain, and he's the sporting director of Hellman Sport, the club where Jan Portbley is currently the manager. And I'm delighted to see he joins us now. Hello, Mario. Hello, good night. Oh, <laughs> very short interview. That would not have been a good my sporting life, would it? Really, Danny? Then all the research. Hello, good night. Uh, this is our man in the northeast, Graham Courtney. It really mm. is with the latest news from Euro 2008. You know, that, that actually, I think, really has touched a, a fairly strong nerve. I'm not surprised either, you know, with the, both the, uh, the manager, Joachim Lowe, and Mike Mbalek having their, all right, pictorially in, um, in, the, uh, in the paper, having their heads severed and being held up you know, by uh, the uh, Poland coach, Leo Backenhaken. <laughs> Leo Backenhaken. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to hear Graham Duhassenhoodle. Yes, he would be good. list. Mm. <laughs> it's uh, back to the Alan Brazil again, who just watched The Apprentice for the first time. It's only the first time I've seen it. Quite uh, very firm old sugar, wasn't it? Sir Alan, you know, bump, you're fired, you're hired, get lost. Yeah, that's very much the catchphrase, isn't it? You're fired, you're hired, get lost. Yes. <laughs> He's never said get lost, has he? <laughs> Finally, Mr. Parry again with a music quiz. What name does Cat Stevens now go under? <laughs> Cat Stevens, to give you a clue, converted to um, Islam. I, 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 yeah, to, to Islam. Um, and uh, what names you go under? Um, Abu Hamza. No, it wasn't that. <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely not that. Definitely. So, play the guitar pretty well. Dear me. So there we are. There's some. Uh, there's uh, your uh, clips of the week. Pewter from 2008. Um, different times. We um, we'll have some fresh ones for you. All being well on uh, Friday. And uh, yeah, don't forget if you do hear a clip on Talksport over the next few days, certainly before Friday, send them into us. Talksport.com forward slash Agent J. You can text to eight ten eighty nine, or you can. Uh, 
tweet to uh, TSHNJS, TSHANDJ. We just need a day and a time when you uh, heard the clip go out on TalkSport or TalkSport 2, uh, one or two, from our excellent cricket coverage. So um, you can be across that as well. And uh, if it's played, as we always say, you'll get a credit. But we'll do that again Friday at around 3.30. Um, a lot of people weighing on your white T-shirt, uh, chat, oh, yes. Andy. Um, it's quite a common theme, this. I was, I was looking it up online, and uh, I think it is a bit of a marker for how much people will spend on a purely uh, white T-shirt. I didn't Prada do a set of three, if you'd like a, like a, you know, like you would anything else. 455 quid. <laughs> oh, quite the sake. bargain. <laughs> it's ludicrous, isn't it? Did you see, uh, talking of rich people, uh, Deli Alley is on a new dating app. Uh, for rich people called Raya. Mm. Not David, the Brian Keeper, obviously. But, I think he uh, runs it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, he might do, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Everton uh, rookie keeper, Yao Virginia. Mm. Uh, I just wondered if Jordan Pickford uh, said to him, I'm considerably richer than Yao Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> he might. <laughs> would be. He, well, he would be, yeah. He might have done, yes. So, and, uh, yes. Oh, yeah, I just want to say one thing about, uh, I mean, great news for the women's game, a tremendous uh, Yeah, the TV deal. deal. TV Very deal, good. and, you know, and it's a, this, I was reading this morning. A lot of the people who love women's football saying this is a better, no better way to combat the no one wants to watch it or no one cares brigade than you know the biggest players in football media actually buying the sport and wanting to show it. Mm. But there's a letter in the Star today that really does show that despite the new TV deal, women's football still has the Neanderthal tendency to overcome. And uh, this bloke Bismarck, he calls himself. He says, "Well done, BBC, for putting uh, comedy into football focus." Oh no, not sorry. No, 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 Pardon? that's not what I meant. No, I'm sorry, I, I, I misread that letter. Sorry, I shall go. I shall go. Oh, okay. He basically just has a go at women's goalkeeping, but it's the old cliche, you know, that really. But uh, Fair enough. I, I think he was trying to link it to something in um, Red Nose Day, which is really, okay. really, really relevant. <laughs> sorry about that. This is a man producing I, his own clips oh, of the yeah. week. Well, I like to, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right. No problem, really. Not, not a problem at all. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> there we are. I'll leave Andy to it. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Now we're going to talk about the census uh, uh, now and uh, its role in sport that maybe you wouldn't have given a great deal of thought to as you were filling uh, yours in. Um, Joining us now, National Statistician Sir Ian Diamond. Uh, Ian, good afternoon. Good afternoon, it's a pleasure to be here. Yes, thanks very much uh, for for joining us. So tell us a little bit more about uh, the role that the the, the census plays in in sport. Yeah, well, the census is absolutely um, the time that we actually count where everybody is in the country. And then enormous amounts of money uh, are transferred around the country in order for councils, uh, both in the local areas or indeed government, to spend on grassroots facilities and indeed uh, other facilities. So it really is incredibly important that everybody fills in their census form so that we get the numbers so that the right money goes to the right places to be spent on the right things. It's a legal requirement, isn't it, that you have, I I know I filled in mine last week, you you have to do this, don't you? Yeah, thanks for doing that. It it is a legal requirement. And um, while Census Day was yesterday, um, we recognise that uh, some people might have forgotten or or lost their uh, code. So we are still um, encouraging everybody uh, just to to get it in this week, if if you possibly can. We've had over 20 million responses so far from households. So that's a huge 
um, uh, number, but there are still a few to go. And so um, anyone who hasn't, please, 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 please fill it in. It has real implications for the funding of your local area. In terms of uh, replies so far, people filling them in, how does that compare with with, uh, uh, other censuses of the past, Im? Well, no, I mean, I've been around censuses for a long time and uh, we're ahead of the game, actually, on this one. It's been the, the country is really engaged uh, and we're really making great progress. Uh, but as I say, it, now getting those extra final ones is going to be so important. But we really have had a great census so far. How long does it take to evaluate the results and how many people does it take? It must be quite a big operation, this. <laughs> it's not small, I've got to tell you. It's not small. You can't do it on a, you can't do it on a quick spreadsheet. Um, but we've, we've got a decent team here of people who are working really hard and we hope to have some initial results uh, pretty quickly. Uh, and then we will release the final results um, at the beginning of next year. Uh, but you know, numbers will start to come pretty quickly because this is the first time we've done a digital census. And that's incredibly important. If you go back into the 19th century, uh, people would sort of wander around and knock on your door and help you to fill it in. Um, whereas now... Uh, obviously, you were able to do it very, very easily and simply, and that will help us with the analysis as well. But absolutely right. We've got a big team of people here who are uh, making sure the numbers are absolutely right. You've been digging the archives for us to find some uh, some stuff of interest sports-wise as well. Well, we've got the 1911 census. I've got Dixie Dean. Oh. Um, and I think, you know, that it really, really... Um, shows you you can just pick a name any name and you can find out you know where they were at a particular time what the household looked like uh, and i think that's really really um, exciting to us yeah very different sort of houses i would imagine the, the footballers of today they were just they were, you know, oh, dixie dean was a superstar but effectively yeah. a sort of average joe wasn't he really absolutely right and um you know in those days high proportions uh, of the households that we counted had outside toilets, for example. Um, and it was only in 1991 that we stopped asking about outside toilets because you know, we as a nation had moved on uh, from that. But if you go back to Dixie Dean's time, you would find that most uh, of the, the professional footballers probably had an outside toilet uh, and probably were living in houses that had uh, quite a number of people per room. Doubt whether Bamiyang's got an outside toilet. <laughs> if he has, it's, sol- it's solid gold. Yeah. 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 How far do the Serene, How far do the records go back? I mean, you've got, you've got you mentioned Dixie Dean. They're probably some of the greats from the past, like W. G. Grace. If if they go back that far, they do. Yeah, I think. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, the first census. We did the first census in 1801, uh, and we did that largely because uh, people were worried that there weren't enough men to fight a war against Napoleon or at the same time to tend the, 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 the farms in order to produce enough food. Uh, so we go right back then uh, and we can go way back into the, the 19th century. Uh, and the genealogists, uh, around, genealogists around the, the nation spend an enormous time uh, tracing their families right back into the 19th century. And I would certainly be able to look up W.G. Grace for you. Yeah, other interesting stuff. Looking back, 1966 was the first time they started to talk about car ownership. You can sort of see what's been, yeah. what's going on in the world in the different censuses and the things that are added to it, as you said, that go as it goes along. Absolutely, 1966. Should we ask about cars? You know, whereas now we ask number of cars, and uh, it's very rare to find you know, outside of the cities households that don't have cars. 
Yeah. Will will this census reflect people's change of working habits? Because so many people now are working at home. A lot of people say they never want to go back to the office. But I wonder whether that will show up in the census. It certainly will, because we ask questions about you know, where you are working from at the moment. This is a real snapshot of what's going on uh, right now. And I think it's going to be really important for us to see um, the way in which the pandemic has impacted on working patterns. And I think it will be incredibly important to help people in planning over the next few years um, to um, understand you know, where people are working, how people are working uh, and the roles um, that commuting are playing in people's lives, or indeed less so. So, um, th- so the message then is to to get get your one in uh, over the next few days. Absolutely, get your. If you haven't filled in uh, your census form, please, 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 please fill it in uh, as soon as you can. Get it to us, um, and we'll get the most beautiful picture of our population that we've ever had. Good stuff. Lovely to talk to you. Great. Thanks for joining us. Lovely to talk to you. Thanks very much. There we are, Sir Ian Diamond there, the national statistician with a bit of a call to arms. Get that census in. It helps uh, all the sports facilities in your area. And uh, there we are. How do you get into the census business? Do you, do you have to fill in a form? <laughs> I think you do. Yeah, yeah. You can fill it in online or someone might come and knock. Remember, remember that? I, I vaguely remember that oh, as yeah. a young no, kid. No, I mean, true. you probably do. Someone knocking on your door and, and doing it the door-to-door census. No, they'd knock on your door. so old. They'd have to... Yeah, I was just walking in front of the car with a red flag. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> no, not really. Some of the questions but, uh... they put back in 1911 were not particularly politically correct. Uh, I, I'd like to point out, so they do not stand up. Um, oh no, that that you notice that's to, a big difference. This year's scrutiny was very, very careful to get everything right, and you know, because mm. otherwise people do get offended. Quite so, troubling. Yeah, yeah, it's changed. It's anyway, changed. Uh, we're going to talk a bit of cricket uh, shortly, and uh, we're going to look ahead to the uh, first of the one days. Did you enjoy the, uh, the the T20? was quite a tough watch. I watched that on Saturday. It was um, That was a well, bit of a big target to chase. I mean, doable, but... Uh... I thought they were playing quite well for a while. Mm. And uh, I mean, I'm a massive fan of Indian cricket and I love watching India. If they're not playing England, I always want India to win. But Kohli, as brilliant as he is, he's quite <laughs> arrogant, isn't he? He's quite annoying. I can see why they done that thing, the test, when uh, was it the Australian wicketkeeper, I can't remember his name now, was having a go. Payne, Tim Payne. Payne, Tim yeah. Payne. Mm. He's not a nice bloke, is he? You can't, you, you can't, he's you just, just hate just him. <laughs> like a lot of competitors, he's got an edge. I mean, he gave, he gave Butler a proper send-off and he was, he was going back, wasn't he, <laughs> to keep having a go at him. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June too is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. I'll be back with Max uh, tomorrow from uh, one. Andy will return with another birthday spread as Max tries to stop me making it 12 in a row. And, uh, and of course, we've got a big international week coming up. So, for now, thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.